says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to a special edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Before I introduce my co-host and good mate, 60s, a quick shout out to the sponsors of the show, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners, Real Estate, Auburn, Neuron, and Parramatta. Now, big fella, over to you, mate. I'll let you introduce our special guest today. John, it's a huge week in the NRLW because it's the season launch. It's such a huge week. We have to have this special dedicated podcast to the NRLW season opener. And if we're going to have a dedicated podcast, who better to have on a guest as a guest than Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. Mary, thank you for joining us. You're always one of our favourites to have on on the podcast. I'm so excited, 60s, that I've basically interrupted you there. Thank you both for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. It, it feels like Christmas, to be perfectly honest, and I cannot wait for this NRLW season to kick off. Well, I my first question then might be a bit hard because it, when people are talking about Christmas, as you just referenced then, that's an exciting time of year, but they mightn't always be able to articulate what's the, the best thing about Christmas or what excites them the most. But I am going to ask you what excites you the most about this NRLW season coming up. I think the thing that most excites me about this season coming up is that with the expansion to 10 teams, this is the sort of first year that teams will have the opportunity to ease into a season. In the past, it's only been four or five weeks and basically you have to start winning games straight away. Otherwise, it gets very difficult to make finals. But for the first time this year, we can see teams just have that little bit more time, not only to grow into their season, but to develop their cultures as well. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've, we've spoken in the past and I've said to you, no, and I haven't meant to be disparaging in this, but like those first couple of seasons when you got four teams, it felt like an exhibition tournament mm. rather than a competition. Mm-hmm. I, That's I, that a, wasn't yeah. too harsh, was it? No, not at all. And I think that's the reality in that it was very, very short. And as I said, if you lost one or two games, your season was pretty much over. And I think if I compare that to the men's, which I'm not going to do too much tonight, I mean, we saw Parramatta in the men's have a really slow start to the season. If they'd been playing in the women's competition, season over, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Now- so you're getting all those combinations that are, that are developing, as you said, they're getting that. Um, you're starting to see a culture within the club, as you as you said then, as well. And uh, I, and I guess like last year was a prime example of that, where the Eels NRLW won their first game in the last round of the year, and and somehow flummed into the finals with winning one game, and then won their next game, which then put them into the grand final. Um, it's you're going to have to have a bit more form than that this year, aren't you? I agree with that completely. And I think it's probably the most exciting thing about the competition this year. And I think also 60s, those teams will need a little bit more time to ease into the season, given just how much play movement we've seen over this off season. 
Yeah, and the NRLW, much like the NRL, isn't a first-past-the-post competition, but one of the hallmarks of high-level professional competitions is rewarding consistency. So moving to a longer format lets form play out to be more true. And in this case, you're going to have four teams across those 10 rounds uh, You know, have a chance to actually, like you said, Mary, have their stumbles, but then find their form and then maybe string together two, three, four, maybe even five wins in a row. That's exactly right. And I think that's a wonderful opportunity, not only for the teams to get to know each other and, and to grow as teams, but also for the fans to connect with them. We mentioned the earlier seasons that were only four or five weeks long. Even though we've got some real personalities in the NRLW, this extended season gives us all the opportunity to just get to know them a little bit better and sort of allow them to develop that brilliant following that the men have had the opportunity to do over so many years. Now, 60s and myself, we'd like to consider ourselves fairly well in tune with the Parramatta Pathways, the Lisa Fiola Cup, the Tasha Gale Cup, but where is the NRLW at in terms of its development, in particular how it encourages and rewards its female athletes uh, in 2023 and moving forwards? Oh, that's a tricky question. As you both know, there's no CBA side yet, so um, it's a little bit of a tricky time. My understanding is that financial terms were agreed between the RLPA and the NRLW earlier this year, but the challenge is is that some of the key terms for the women's CBA sit within the men's CBA. So until that gets executed, we're still existing in a little bit of uncertainty for the women. But my understanding is that there are pay increases this year, which are quite significant, and that is important given that the length of the season has increased significantly. But also I know the NRLW players have started having conversations about things like um, parental leave and pregnancy policies, which are really important in the NRLW. Mm-hmm. And something that's also relevant to our Parramatta team, because we've got Talisha O'Neill and Nakia Davis-Wealth, who are both former Jillaroos, who are returning to the team this year after taking some time away to have children. Uh, well, I'm not sure what how on top of this you are, but I, I, I want to throw it out to you. There's, there's been that issue in the the women's football they've made a bit of a stance about they they want to be they want to see more uh, equity within their within their game and especially now they've got the world cup that they're facing um, ha, how does rugby league compare to say fem- do you know how they compare to female footballers soccer players in australia the 60s, I don't know um, exactly how they compare against that space. And I think oh, it's tricky, isn't it? Because you're not really comparing apples with apples when you think about how often the Matildas come together versus our Australian Jillaroos. But yeah. I remember seeing a, sort of a diagram on the ABC a couple of years ago that sort of set out the average pay for athletes in different sports. And I remember rugby league sort of being towards the bottom AFLW was towards the bottom as well, but since that, you know, data was around, we've seen um, both enter into CBAs, which have seen uh, sizable increases for the athletes. So I think rugby union is the one that's struggling at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you've probably got a situation where because of the um, the T20 in cricket that uh, women's cricketers are doing a little bit better, uh, I would imagine. I, I mean, this is just my... From the outside looking in, you you might know a little bit better than that because you do have your the ladies who spin bowl, isn't it? Is that that's the that's your summer 
Oh, uh, close enough. Ladies here, leg spin. Leg spin on your list. Leg spin. spin. It's got to be an L. <laughs> it's got to be, be an L. That's it. That's and it. Sorry. My apologies. Don't be there. silly. <laughs> but, I mean, how are they going? Are they, are, they, are they making great strides because of T20? Yeah, I think it's funny, 60s, because when you talk about um, men's cricket, we often talk about the challenges of the T20 competition and some people think it's really impacted the quality of test cricket. But for the women's game, it's, it's really been a game changer and we are seeing all these T20 competitions pop up around the world. India started to get involved, which is just so significant from a, from a pay perspective and an eyeballs perspective and a population perspective. And I feel like T20 has really helped the women's game to grow. And we see our female cricketers really leading the way, I think, when it comes to not just professionalism, but how they are being rewarded off the field as well. And sort of circling back to those CBA negotiations you're talking about, Mary, one thing that the women do have in their feather or as a feather in their cap, and I suppose not just for the CBA, but in women's sports in general, is much like their male counterparts, they've got a really a case of bottled lightning in a showpiece representative event because State of Origin has been huge for them. The expansion to two games this year was a, a huge success. And, I mean, they could have easily have made the jump this year to show up to a best-of-three series. And I don't think anyone would have had an issue with it. So, uh, yeah, seeing, seeing that, you know, playing out for the women too is huge. It's a great point you make because we talk about uh, representing your country being the pinnacle of most sports. And it is a significant honour to play for the Australian Jillaroos. But if you speak to any of the Australian Jillaroos, they will tell you that the toughest game they play each year is State of Origin. And I think we saw that happen again this year. I have to be honest, I think a bit of work needs to be done so that we think about when in the schedule to play State yeah. of Origin. I was really disappointed with the quality of game one. And that yep. is not a comment about the women that were playing. It's a comment on the scheduling because for so many of those women played in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership or the equivalent in Queensland, some of them hadn't made finals and played rugby league for, say, four or five weeks. It would be like the men playing State of Origin right at the beginning of the season during preseason. It, it just didn't make sense. And then at the same time, the first week of State of Origin actually coincided with preseason for NRLW starting. So you've got those NRLW teams coming together for the first time but missing some of their key players, which I think is is a little bit unfair. I, I was banging on about that after the um, State of Origin, the first State of Origin, wasn't I, John, where I said, mm -hmm. you know, like, this is the equivalent of the of men playing State of Origin in their preseason. It, mm -hmm. it just it wouldn't even be considered. I mean, it's, it, it's generally um, put anyone that suggests that you play state of origin in postseason generally gets shouted down because you know the players won't be as intense uh the public won't be as interested um and yet the women's is expected to play there and you you're right i mean it's not been harsh that first the standard of that first game was nowhere near as good as the standard in the second game and you could you could see the players had uh had got a lot of the rust out of the system by the time they got to that second game but you then wonder what would the standard be like in the middle of the season for them? That's it exactly right. And I think Sixy, sorry to interrupt, I just get so passionate about this particular point. The women's game is still growing and we need to do whatever we can to help it succeed and putting it when we did the state of origin, we're not setting them up for success. And I think I find that really hard 
given how much these women already sacrificed to play at the elite level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. And I think it's going to be, I've got an interesting hypothetical for you. Well, maybe not a hypothetical. It's with all that debate around having a third game and the fact that there wasn't a third game this year, do you think it might have even helped the cause and helped to promote the, the women's origin to have an outcry that it finished at one all? And, have yes. people, and to have people like <laughs> outraged by the fact that there wasn't a third game, I think it actually works in the favour of promoting the women's game. I agree, 60s. And it's funny, I spoke to so many people who said that as soon as the NRL said they were going to choose two games um, and they announced how it would be decided if there was one win each, they knew that what happened was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think given the outcry, it will push the NRL. The NRL did say that I think they want to keep it at two games next year. But I'm hoping given what we saw this year and sort of the ridiculous um, the ridiculous result that we saw, um, it will push the NRL to potentially make the decision next year because I don't see any reason why we shouldn't have three games. Um, we talk about dead rubbers and that they're challenging to fill the stadiums. My solution to that is play it somewhere in Newcastle. Yep. Or Central Coast or Townsville or Canberra, wherever. You know, where are you going to get the crowd? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's it's a matter of um, just having a, a, need I say it, having a bit of thought into what they are staging. Yep. Well, correct. And I think just giving some real critical thought to um, to, you know, when we're going to be playing this NRLW season, what it looks like from a from a whole-of-season perspective, at a domestic level, at an international level, just think it through so that we can, you know, reap the rewards of what is a brilliant competition. Yeah, and and now let's let's swing back because we've we've just talked about some representative football because on the back of the World Cup and having four new clubs, where we've got a bit of an influx of international players and rookies into the NRLs this season, NRLW this season. Are there any players in this year's premiership who are new to the NRLW that you think we should keep an eye out for? Yes, definitely. There are a couple. Uh, Holly May Dodd is one of my favourites. She's playing for the Canberra Raiders. She is extremely young. I cannot remember quite how old she is, but it'll be 18 or 19. And Holly May has already played four seasons in the Super League. So even though she's extremely young, she's got a lot of experience and was actually a ballroom dancer initially. So I love Holly May's story. The other one to watch is Mele Hufunga. Mele played in the Rugby League World Cup last year and was an absolute revelation. Mm. From memory, she scored four tries in five games or maybe it was five tries in four games. Now, the frightening thing about Mele is that she was relatively new to rugby league at that point. So I am very, very frightened about what she's going to do for the Brisbane Broncos after a full preseason. <laughs> she's a rugby rugby union convert, right? She was over in um, she she came from the um, the black the the ferns the, the is it that's the, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. She was like she. She was quite an imposing player. Yeah, she out was there very the physical, field. very uh, brought like a, an intimidation factor to the game. 
Yeah. She's a very imposing figure. <laughs> All right, let's uh, turn the focus onto the blue and gold now. The Eel squad, virtually an entirely new group. Were there any player losses, and I, I can figure at least a couple off the top of my head for myself, uh, that disappointed you, Mary? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough question um, because I'm one of these people that is a little bit glass. It's glass half full, isn't it? The positive one, glass half full yep, when yep, it comes yep. to recruitment. Um, I even think back to the men last year and Parramatta lost a lot of players and there was a lot of outcry from fans about what the club doing, what's going on. And to be honest, fellas, I don't think we're missing any of them too much this year. Um, So I suppose from my perspective, very sad to see players like Samaima Talfa and Tiana Penatani leave. Even someone like Rakia Horn, I was really sad to see go. But I was really pleasantly surprised with some of the players that were able to join the club this year. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I guess there's from a fan's perspective when it comes to being disappointed about players going, it's because they're the first or the earliest players that we can associate as being eels players, mm-hmm. and you you know you 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 start to look for your favourites or, or the players that you look to out on the field that maybe might be able to you know, either galvanise the team or, or or pull something out of the bag when you, you know, when you need a big play. But I, I'm probably the same as you in that I think now moving forward with the players that they've been able to secure, they, they're really, I think, determining what direction the team's going to go in. And, and you spoke before about what culture they're going to be. Um, so looking from that perspective, what, which Eels recruits do you think will have the greatest impact on the team? For me, fellas, it's got to be Rachel Pearson. I think she's going to be tremendous and I do not think you can underestimate how important it is to have a player of her calibre in the halves. So she is someone that I'm extremely excited about. And another one that I'm really excited about is Talisha O'Neill. And that's a bit of a personal story. So I've known Talisha, well, she was Talisha Quinn back then uh, for many, many years now. I interviewed her on my podcast probably five, six years ago when she was still playing for the Cronulla Sharks in their um, in their lower grade competitions. And T was really nervous about coming on my podcast for the first time. Mm-hmm. She did a phenomenal job and then just continued to grow as a person. Ended up playing for the Australian Gillaroos. Played for the St. George Illawarra Dragons in that first season of the NRLW and then took some time away to have a baby and is now coming back. So the likes of her and, say, Chantel Stowers and Nakia Davis-Welch will bring plenty of experience to what is actually a really inexperienced team. We've got, I think, one of the most inexperienced teams in the NRLW. Well, speaking is that, of... Sorry, I was go. just going to say, how, how do you... How do you feel about us about us having such a young, inexperienced team? Is that I mean, is that is that help to build for the the future? I mean, is it? I guess when when you're young, it's you you haven't really marked out any. Uh, I don't know that there's any expectations that are on you, so maybe the pressure is not going to be as strong if they're if if we've got such inexperience there talk about an experience 60s and we can talk about inexperience at an NRLW level but I know a lot of these women have been coming through pathways and playing together so 
it'll be really interesting to see how they make that jump to NRLW. And I think the reality is, given that we have four new teams this year, that's what we're going to be seeing. We're seeing a lot of inexperienced teams and a lot of new players come through, which is really, really exciting. Well, and, and can I also just echo with uh, what you said about uh, Talisha, because Talisha was one of the players that I was able to uh, spend a bit of time with, asking a few questions, welcoming her to the club, etc., on the night of the trial, because those the Eels NRLW players, after the match was over and they had the quick debrief with the coaches, out they came to mingle with the crowd. So <laughs> it was literally um, almost take your pick of who you're able to go and speak with and, uh, and, and welcome to the Eels or talk about the game or whatever you wanted to do. And there was certainly, there was lots of photos being taken and uh, plenty of punters there that stuck around to be able to speak with the ladies. And uh, oh, look, Talisha was, she was fantastic. I met her and her husband at mm-hmm. the game. And, uh, but the common thread with all of the players that were there mixing with the punters was the smiles on their faces. You know, like how happy they were. They've just come off the field and, and yes, they've had a win at, in a trial, but they've come off and they're just, they're, you know, like they've just got such joy on their faces talking to people. It, it's like it's, um, this is not a task for them. It's something that they're loving to do. Um, and, and that's really refreshing as a, as a supporter is, is seeing how much they, they are enjoying being able to mix with supporters. It is the absolute best 60s. They are an incredible group of women and I think they don't take anything for granted. Every time I speak to one of the athletes, they're grateful for my time. They're grateful that I'm taking time to speak to them and share their stories, even though I'm still fangirling in front of them. And <laughs> it'll be a pattern that we see throughout the season, I think. It's going to be just wonderful. I mean, on Sunday to be out at Combank, and I'm sure they'll do, you know, a, a lap afterwards and see us all again. So you'll probably get the opportunity for 10 photos with Alicia <laughs> through the year and the opportunity to meet players from other clubs too. It's one of the best things about women's sport, just how passionate those women are about meeting the fans, spending time with them and just sort of soaking it in. And building on what you two were sort of talking about just prior Four new teams, an unprecedented amount of player transfers and signings to new clubs. It's fair to say that the landscape of the NRLW has gone in and sort of un, unseen amount of upheaval. It, it is a bold new territory for all teams. And in light of that, as we embark into this you know, new era of the NRLW, Mary, what are the realistic ambitions for our team in this season? I think finals is absolutely a realistic ambition for our team. I think also a grand final potentially, again, is a realistic ambition for the team. I think that question is so hard because yeah. of how different the teams look. It's just really hard to get a read on them. I we don't ask the easy questions, Mary. <laughs> no, you really don't. Your natural, I think, inclination will be to think that, say, the new teams will have a little bit of a disadvantage coming in. But then you think about a team like, say, the Tigers that has um, managed to recruit a number of women that played in their Harvey Norman women's team. So they're already a little bit familiar. The same with the Cronulla Sharks. I think it'll be just how quickly some of these teams gel. And for a team like the Raiders, for example, that is very, very young and has a lot of fresh faces, you know, how quickly they come together as a group. Yep, yep. 
Um, now, we're going to preview all of the games in a moment, and, and, and obviously the Eels and the Tigers will be uh, a key one that we'll look at. But what's your thoughts about staging the Eels versus Tigers as a standalone fixture at Combank Stadium? And um, uh, not only like staging, but what do you think the crowd's going to be? I bought eight tickets today. So <laughs> <laughs> people will be there. I, I think it's brilliant. I think Combank is a wonderful place to watch rugby league. No matter how big or small the crowd is, there's always atmosphere there. And in a week where the men are in North Queensland, I think this is a wonderful opportunity to build some momentum around our women's team. And I love rugby league, as you both know, so I don't really care who's playing, men, women, children, whatever. The tickets are so affordable. So bring your family out for a wonderful afternoon. And, yeah, I think we should capitalise on, on, you know, getting this season started off the right way with a big game against the Tigers. Mary, I've got my ticket because you know what it cost me? Like $10? Nothing, because I'm an NRLW member. Well, me too. So, yes, some of my tickets cost me nothing, and then I bought some actual tickets too. But, yeah, that's exactly right. So if we've got any listeners out there who have Eels NRLW membership, just, you know, log into Ticketek and use your code, which is basically your um, membership number, and redeem your ticket. Like, it's it's as simple as that. You, You get to be at Combank Stadium for free. What, what's better than that? And, what could you want? But, what more could you want? What, no, and and as you said, anyway, the 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 tickets, uh, regardless if you if you're not a member, are as cheap as chips to get there. You you're in a world class stadium watching world class rugby league. Um, as you said, the team, the NRL boys, they're they're interstate. Their game was on the day before. No excuse not to get down to Parramatta and be able to watch some uh, footy and cheer on the blue and gold. Couldn't agree more with that. Alrighty, so we're about to get your tips on all the weekend games. Uh, so we've got five fixtures across those ten teams, obviously. Uh, but uh, it's not going to be easy if uh, so many new combinations for all those teams. I sort of mentioned, you know, you've got the Tigers, the Sharks, all those new franchises, North Queensland, Canberra. On paper, I think teams like the Sharks and the Roosters have really nailed their recruitment. You mentioned that West have a pretty good team. Mary, outside of Para, among those nine other teams, who would you sort of nominate as a, a title contender or favourite? I think you've nailed um, the wonderful work that the Sharks and the Roosters have done. I am very frightened of the Broncos, and it could be because I interviewed Chelsea Lenarduzzi a few weeks ago and she was talking about how great their preparation was. The Broncos are extremely disappointed not to have played finals last year. And in amongst some experienced older players like Chelsea and also Ali Brigginshaw, they've also recruited really well. I mentioned Melan Hafunga earlier, but also Gal Broughton. So I'm very excited actually to see what the Broncos can do this season even though they've also lost quite a few players. Yeah, Gail Broughton was the one that got away from us. That really stung Yes, me. that's another one. As soon as I said her name, I thought, oh, Gail, I miss you already. <laughs> the, I can't go past the Roosters. I look at the lineup that they've got and I'm thinking... Scary, huh? It, it's almost like uh, the Roosters in their prime NRL 
recruitment phase with the, with the sombrero. I'm thinking, how are you fitting these players in? Like, in all seriousness, like, it's, it is... Maybe that's where it's all gone wrong for the Roosters in NRL, is that uh, Nick, Nick, <laughs> Nick Politis is dead set on making their NLW the next big thing, and he's just invested all the resources there because, what, Baxter, Sergis, Kelly, uh, Boyle, Davis, Milhoana, uh, Hilmoana, sorry, not Milhoana, uh, Koenig, uh, Joseph, uh, Hopawati on the bench, Pule on the bench. Like, they, they've just got such a stacked team, haven't they? Oh, it, 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 it's it's phenomenal, uh, Mary. I mean, it's. Uh, I guess that's going to be a game when when the Eels play the Roosters that uh, it could just be one of the games of the season. Couldn't agree more, and the Roosters will certainly be wanting payback for what happened uh-huh. <laughs> in the finals last year. Will, will they? What? Now you've mentioned a few players already in uh, this quick chat. But I want to now really nail you down. I'm only going to let you pick two players as your uh, favourites to watch. Oh. I'm, not <laughs> people. I'm saying your favourites to watch. And you're not allowed to name more than more than two. And, and I'm even going to nail it down even more because I want one to be a non-Eels player and one to be an Eels player. This, I know it's cruel, but... You're only allowed one of each. So who is it? I watch. I can do this. Um, Kennedy Charrington for the Parramatta Eels is someone that I love to watch only because I think Kennedy is an absolute vibe. She really, really is. And she just brings so much energy to the team. So Kennedy Charrington is my absolute favourite to watch for the Parramatta Eels. Sorry to everyone else. That was really, really hard. Uh, And then... For the other teams, this is going to be a shocking um, choice, I think, for a lot of people. She's not okay. She's not my favourite player to watch, but she's the player that I want most to succeed. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, okay. happy, I'm happy. I'm yeah, happy that yeah. Maddie Sutton is someone that I watch every single year, and I just want her so desperately to succeed. She's had a couple of bumpy years in the NRLW, including a season for Para. Uh, but I'm really hoping that with the Sharks, who is a team that she's been with for quite a long time, she's gone through the pathways that, you know, she can really shine this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing Maddie play. Oh, gosh, that was really hard. There are so many other ones I <laughs> too. So she, many others. She's missed selection round one. She has. So she's she on, has. The, on the extended uh, bench. That's so, a little bit of depth there for the Sharks, isn't it? Yeah, when they, when they can when they can have a situation where she's she doesn't even make the bench and given her, her background in representative football, yes, it, it is indicative of their depth there. Uh, John, I want to throw to you. Mm-hmm. A favourite favorite Eels player to watch and favourite outside of the Eels. Uh, I mean, Kennedy is a, a very easy choice, but I feel like it would be a little bit cheap to uh, double down there. So... Uh... I can't split out two wingers. I really like Zoe Faye and Cassie Toi Hiku. Mm-hmm. Um, Good they, choices. They they bring energy, speed, uh, you know, a real knack for finding the try line. I think they're going to be candidates for being big breakout players for us. So um, I'll cheat a little bit and nominate those two. Outside of Parramatta, well, there is a world of choices. But, uh, you know, being a, a, a unit myself, i got to give Millie Boyle her props. Uh, she, I mean, quite literally, uh, you know, being a prop forward. But... 
Uh, Millie is just a powerhouse in the front row, and it's really fun watching her go to task when it's not against Parramatta. So, um, you know, hopefully she has a fantastic season outside of when the Roosters meet the Eels. Yeah, well, look, you've stolen my thunder with Millie because I'm also as a big unit myself. Um, (laughs) I like seeing what the middles middle forwards are able to do and uh she was also i enjoyed watching her on sas australia mm. i thought mm-hmm. i thought she was i thought she was a tremendous advertisement for yeah, rugby i was going to say did not do herself a disservice yeah like just really just painted herself as as strong and, and yet with some vulnerability as well i wasn't afraid to you know, it was just look. I just thought she was outstanding on that show, but I, I just love the way that she plays rugby league. And of course, the the drum is going to be that she's gone to the Roosters. And I, you know, I find it hard to have any um, cheering that I can do for the Roosters. So um, <laughs> I I might have to temper enjoying watching her play. And for the Eels, again, it would have been Kennedy, but to. Look outside of Kennedy. You know what? Younger sister Ruben is an absolute firecracker as well, <laughs> and she she fired up in the trial. I think she was uh, she might have got a warning in there as well at one point in the in that trial match against the Dragons. So I'll I'll nominate Ruben if I if I'm not if I'm going to steer away from Kennedy as the favourite player to watch. I'll, I'll nominate Ruben. So um, okay. Let's now get to the uh, match predictions. Um, and, and I might also get your season hopes for these as well, Mary. Like, So whether you think they're um, top, uh, going to play in the in the finals or not. Uh, what is it? Is it a top four this year? Top, I, I top four, what. yeah. It is a top four? If I just double check on the ladder. Uh, yes, top four, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to make sure on that. Because all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, hang on. 10 teams, is it? Is it still top four? But, yeah, okay. So we've got Titans and Cowboys um, first off. And just a couple of things I, I note with that. You've got uh, Talia uh, Fuamayono at 5'8 for the Titans. Kira Dib at halfback for the Cowboys. What's your tip there, Mary? And what, where do you think uh, those two teams are heading this season? I'm tipping the Titans in this one. They have recruited really well this year and I'm very excited that Steph Hancock continues to play at age 41. I think the Cowboys will just miss out on the eight this year, but I don't think that's a problem. I think this will really be a building year for them. Ben Jeffries is one of the most respected uh, coaches in the women's game and has a young team on his hands. Fortunately, a few of them have played together through the pathways, but I'm seeing this as a bit of a development year for um, for the North Queensland Cowboys. Okay, John, who's your tip? And how do you think they'll go this year? Yeah, I, I think the experience of the Titans being incepted the same year as the Parramatta Eels and the NLW will put them in good stead here. Uh, I mean, they've got a nice fullback in Pelote. They've got a good halves combination there, Fulmiano being, the, I suppose, the, the big selling point there. But Chapman in the centres... Uh, really solid forward pack as well. I like that back row, Shaley Bent and Captain Georgia Hale. So, yeah, they're very well-balanced squad here. And I think, uh, I mean, I look at that that Cowboy squad, I think Autumn Rain, Stephens Daly can do some damage on that wing, but uh, probably just lacking the experience uh, that will help them at least get uh, 
sort of hit the ground running. Uh, they might come into their own, you know, with a couple of games under their belt, but I think the Titans are probably the favourite, especially with the backing of a home game round one. Yeah, I'm going to select the Titans as well. And and again, for those key players that you mentioned, I think they are going to be fringe eight, uh, fringe top four. Um, I think they might just miss, but they'll they'll give it a shake. Okay, next we've got uh, the Knights and the Dragons. Uh, the Knights, incidentally, have former Eels players, Rima Butler and Nita Maynard. Um, and, of course, they've got some key players like Upton and Southwell there. Um, the Dragons, uh, Racine McGregor, is uh, really a, a key player for them this year. So what's your, what's your tip there, Mary, and also the season predictions? Gosh, this is tough because I'm just going to put everyone in the top four. I know that's what's going to happen. I'm going to have too many in the top four. The Dragons are another team that got really hit hard by the number of losses to other clubs last year. And I felt a little bit sorry for Jamie Salvin and his team there. But you mentioned Racine McGregor, who was my player of the season last year. And just like I said with Rachel Pearson, I don't think you can underestimate how important it is to have a strong half. So I'm going to say that I think the Dragons are going to miss out on the finals this year. I think the Knights will back up strongly. Their challenge, I think, will be in the forwards. They have some great players there, but I think the likes of, say, Caitlin Johnson will really need to step up the work rate this year to sort of fill in for what they lost in Millie Boyle, who's one of the premier players in the competition. Yeah, John? Yeah, I think the Knights prevail in this clash here. Uh, again, it's the advantage of being that home game. I think between the two squads, Newcastle do have a slight edge, but having that uh, home field advantage in round one is a very big selling point. Uh, Upton is just, you know, obviously one of the best players in the competition. Uh, you know, built a little bit different than most of the other fullbacks too, being a, a little bit taller and leaner, and she can do some great things with her running game. Um, no Hannah Southwell on the halves might hurt Newcastle a little bit, but Caitlin Moran's not exactly a terrible replacement. But, yeah, I think Newcastle, the win is here, and then... I think Newcastle maybe I wouldn't say dark horse for the title, uh, but uh, they're definitely a contender. Whereas uh, the Dragons are one of those teams that will need to find their way in the first few weeks, and if they can get a bit of form, uh, they might round into something that represents contending. Uh, but right now, I put them on the outside looking in. Yeah, I can't go past the Knights at home. Uh, still a strong lineup. I also have the Knights in my top four. And I think, it, you know, even though they've lost some players, they've still got so many key players that are still there. So I think they'll do well this year. Broncos and the Roosters. Ooh. Now, this is hmm. this is the one where I don't know which way it's going to go. The Broncos, um, you know, key thing for me is uh, Gail Broughton uh, partnering Brigginshaw in the halves. That's, uh, I mean, it surprised me on a, on, a, on a couple of levels because we saw uh, Brigginshaw move to lock in that uh, recent Origin series. And I was thinking, you know, this might be the direction that they're going to go with as well in the Broncos, but obviously not. Um, but that, I mean, that is a powerful halves pairing. And the Roosters, literally, you could rattle off their entire team to talk about danger players, but. I mean, just off the top, Baxter, Parker, Sergis, Kelly, Aiken, Boyle, Koenig, Joseph. I mean, the, the list is just endless of the quality players that they've got in their team. 
Mary, talk to me about who's how on earth you pick first of all the mm. winner, and then it's tough, then, isn't it? Yeah, um, and then the premiership credentials are both. How many do I have in my top four? Because I think both these teams are kind of like the top four as well. I'm running my top four. Uh, but I think in this game, I'm going to tip the Roosters simply because I think their combinations are more established. And you rattled off the names of some of those superstars and they are very used to playing together at the Roosters together. I am interested to see how the Broncos halves pairing goes but I think it might just take a little bit of time for that to gel. We know that Gail is still developing her rugby league pedigree, uh, and I'm curious to see how her house, how her move to the halves goes as well. Yeah, I think she she has a different vision to other players. Like, she's still got a rugby sevens vision of what's possible around her, and I, and I think it's... It's maybe it's not as much about uh, about her learning the game because obviously yes she she's she's on that journey but also I think it builds into the rest of the team learning how to read her and I think the beauty is that with a longer preseason this year and a longer season that the Broncos are maybe in good stead in that regard because I think once the players around her can read what's what she's seeing. In, op- in attacking opportunities, they're going to be a very, very tough team to take on. Um, John, what's what's your thoughts there? I mean, it's borderline coin flip territory, isn't it? These are two fantastic teams on paper. And I think, like Mary, this might be uh, the one time this round I'm going to tip against the home team because we know home field advantage is significant, although the, the Broncos aren't actually playing out of Suncorp or Lang Park, wherever you want to call it. They're on the Sunshine Coast for this one, so it's a home adjacent home game uh, and I think that Roosters team for what Mary listed the established combinations the strike power in that back line and back row I think they're probably the team to beat and I think they start this season with a win I'm also going for the Roosters We're, we've been in agreement on all the matches so far and I'm just going to simply say I think the Roosters go through undefeated no, this they're year. going to be hard to top they're, they are an incredible team yeah, so uh, now we get the uh, Eels versus the Tigers. Um, just a couple of notable things. I, I like the co the co captains announced of uh, Pearson and Kennedy Charrington for the Eels. The Tigers, well, we've got no shortage of former Eels here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping I don't miss any, but we've got Bovetti Walsh, uh, Rakia Horn, um, Curtin, Pio, George, and then we've got. Um, a, you know, a couple of quality players that they've got there. They've recruited Kezi Apps. And, of course, they've got Lasana Lutu, who sure, I've who, got a very high opinion of. Uh, she did spend uh, a season with the Eels, smarts. Lutu was with the Eels for a season two, 60s. Yes, yes. So I, I, I honestly think that uh, Lutu has, like, she, I think she's gone to another level in a, in a, a football smarts. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's really one to keep an eye on. Um, okay, Mary, your thoughts on uh, on both teams and the winner and the uh, the premiership prospects of each. Another team to make the top four in Paramount. Yep. Everyone's making the top four. Uh, I am excited about this Parramatta Eels team. I'm excited about Rachel Pearson. I also can't wait to see Mahalia Murphy get her hands on the ball just a little bit more. A bit so I think the Eels are going to win this game. 
I think the Tigers will take a couple of weeks to find their feet, but the player I'm probably most excited about is a, uh, another sad one is of course, Bo Betty Wells, mm-hmm. who is returning from a long-term injury. The Tigers are a team that she's had a long connection with, and I can't wait to see what she starts doing when she gets the chance to play again. John? Yeah, um, I'm going to tip Parramatta win this one, but I think this could be a tricky game uh, insofar as if the Tigers get opportunities to spotlight Bo on the edges, I think she's going to wreak some havoc. Um, I think that we can control this game better with Rachel Pearson at the helm uh, and, you know, a strong forward pack headlined by Albert and Cherrington of the Kennedy variety and with Ruben maybe, you know, chiming in with some darts here and there. But, yeah, I mean, you've you got to respect the threat that Bo represents from fullback Rakia Horn's a good player in the centres. Um, we are saying to... I was asking 60s the other day, uh, Josie Lenars. I wonder if that's any relation to Nick in our Jersey flag, Mary. We'd have to try and get an update on that one. Uh, it is. It he's, is? He, he, he actually posted um, about her on his uh, Instagram. Sister so or I'm, cousin? Yeah. I think it's... I, I, I'm sure he referred to her as sister. Oh, that's awesome. So, great, so, great little familial connection there. So, I mean, hopefully for Josie it's not a win, but... Uh, you know, hopefully she has a good game. But, yeah, really keen to see how the Eels approach this one. Uh, Dean Witters of another year, another chance to shape the team in his identity as a coach. And uh, like uh, like Mary said, uh, Mahalia Murphy, she's a real dynamic wrecking ball on the right edge. She's going to set up some opportunities for uh, CTH outsider. Um, I'm interested to see how Pahuka Berryman Duff does as well. Touch football background, coming back from, I believe it was a knee injury. Um I think if she gets back to her best, she can be a great compliment to Pearson in the seven. Uh, and yeah, so just get there and, you know, it's a lot of fundamental stuff that we always talk about. If we just play strong through the forwards, uh, be composed in defense, I think we're going to have a lot of opportunities to score here. Yeah, I'm tipping the Eels as well. I'm tipping the Eels to be top four this year. And I really believe that Rachel Pearson is the key signing this year because the kicking game is so essential in rugby league. And I think it's going to get the Eels a lot of uh, crucial field position. And, uh, you know, being able to play the game at the other end of the field is is what I'm sure Dean Witters will be looking for this year. I think we've got the forwards that can assert the domination on the back of that kicking game. And the other night I'd asked... I'd ask for a few tips from people about what to look at, what to look for in our in our game. And the pace in the backs was something that came up. And you highlighted it too, John, in your favourite players to watch. I think we've got a really, really good pace out in the three quarters. And I, I think that perhaps this is going to be a completely different brand of football that the Eels are going to play this year. So looking forward to that. Finally, we've got the Sharks and the Raiders to round things out. The Sharks, they're, they're not short of their ex-Eels, are they? Penatani, Preston, Johnston, Foliaki, Anderson. Uh, plus, they picked up uh, Tonegata from uh, from the Dragons. The Raiders, well, ex-Eels, Quinlan, Taufa, Kelly Sines. Uh, plus, they've also got uh, Uppy Nichols out at fullback. So, um, I, I, I really don't know who to, who to select here. Maybe uh, I'll, I'll throw it to Mary first. I'll, I'll make my decision once I hear both of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mary, your your thoughts on who wins this and the and the finals prospects of both? 
You're not allowed to say you've got a top four in these two, surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I seem to have picked a top eight, haven't I? Uh, I think the Sharks are going to win this game simply because so many of these women have played together through the pathway and are members of that Harvey Norman women's premiership team. So know how each other play. I think the Raiders are going to take a little while to get going, but I think they could also be a surprise packet later in the season. With yep. the Sharks, I'm really curious to see how Emma Tonegato goes in the halves. Uh, it's obviously a shift from fullback, but uh, she's an extremely talented player, so I honestly can't wait to see how it goes. John? Yeah, I've got the Sharks winning this one. Um, I look at that Canberra team, and it's, it's pretty well put together. Um, but again... Uh, this is two expansion franchises, but the Cronulla Sharks do have a heavyweight advantage in being a consistent force in the Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership, where they've had a very good team for a number of years, and a lot of these players have been a part of that team. So they've got that built-in chemistry and synergy ready to roll out in round one. So I think that they're probably the, the team that beat in this contest. Uh, I think the Sharks are probably uh, contenders for the top four. Uh, but, geez, I mean, you look at it, you've got, what, Broncos, uh, you've got the Knights, you've got the Roosters, uh, you know, hopefully Parramatta. So there's already, you know, a, a glut of teams that are in a position to contend for the top four. So uh, getting out to a hot start here for any of these teams would be huge. Uh, harnessing a little bit of early momentum go a long way. But, yeah, like the Sharks here. Um, but the Raiders are a team that, uh, like Mary said, could build into this season. They've got some good names there. And um, there's also another former EO, I believe, in their extended squad. Um, was it Patessa Leo or Petalino? Oh, yeah. Patessa Leo, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, a former yeah, yeah, yeah. former development player for us. Yeah, yeah. I I, I remember uh, looking at the where the Eels players have gone. That uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right there with Patessa. Um, uh, for me, I've got to pick the Sharks as well. I wanted to pick the Raiders so that... We, we didn't quite have, <laughs> you know, like five out of five yeah. aligned picks. Yeah, you feel that if we've gone, if we've all agreed that somewhere along the line it's going to fall apart on the tips, but I can't see anyone other than the Sharks winning this simply because they they do have those connections that were there before. Um, I, I don't think either team will make the finals. If they do, it will be a really good effort to be one of the expansion clubs and to get into finals football in their first year. Out of the two, the Sharks, I believe, will get closest to finals football. Ah, Mary, we, we've got through it. We sure did. It was great. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm so excited. John, it's... Uh, this week, are you looking forward to um, finally being able to write a gin and logic column. Well, it's a little bit like a Christmas in, I suppose, July, isn't it? Uh, there's just a palpable sense of excitement about the launch of the NRLW. Um, and it's really fun. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. It's just there is such a positive energy around not just Parramatta's involvement in the NRLW, but the competition itself. So really keen to see how it plays out this year with the extended format with 10 teams, a chance for form to really establish itself and, you know, some cool narratives and storylines to develop across the season. Yeah. Mary, thank you again for being on the Cumberland Throw. As I said in the intro, an absolute favourite of ours. And you, any time we've asked you to be on the Cumberland Throw podcast, it's like 
yes, and and with with like <laughs> it, it, it's almost like there's un, unbridled joy at the prospect of of coming on and, and talking to uh, a couple of fellas like us, and that for us is the greatest reward. How excited you seem to be to come on and have a chat with us. So thank you so much for jumping on and jumping on, you know, at, at reasonably short notice this week. So, but we we really value your input here because the NRLW, it's so important that they, they get the acknowledgement and that they get the coverage that they deserve. And as I say to anyone that's that wants to criticise the NR, NRLW and their profile, if when the rugby league, the NRL, wants to be able to say that they have uh, a world class women's competition, a professional women's competition, they need to be investing in it. And I think everyone associated with the game should be investing in it. It's going to, it's in its growth, it's in its infancy. And it's only going to get better and better and better. And I think we're going to see this year the best competition that we've we've seen any year and that the sky's the limit from here on in. Thank you both so much for having me. The reason that you hear the gusto and the joy is because it is genuinely a pleasure and an honour. I love the Cumberland throw. I love the work all of you do. Thank you for keeping me company when the eels lose. And I just... <laughs> appreciate you too so much so thank you so much and i'm looking forward to plenty of nrlw with you both through the season and looking forward to seeing you on friday night when we're we're actually at the at the uh home of one of our sponsors big swing golf at north mead who make this podcast possible we're having a little bit of a gathering there so we're looking forward to uh seeing you there and also there will be uh one of our other uh, sponsors, um, Greg from Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. So we got our plugs in there, but we 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 do thank them because, as you know, Mary, having having a site, having um, podcasts, it actually does cost money, and without having sponsors, you wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to do these this sort of coverage. So. Uh, we'll see you Friday night. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the fun that we're going to have there at Big, Sw Big Swing Golf at North Mead. And to everyone listening to this at the moment, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, John. Thanks, Mary. And go, you mighty eels. <laughs>